now that you're in this room. God, healing is present in this room. Deliverance is present here in this room. So we honor you, we exalt you, God. We magnify you in this room. And we thank you, Father God, for being the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you for being the great I am that I am. We thank you for being the Prince of Peace. We thank you, Father God, for being Jehovah. We thank you for being Elohim, the Creator. God, we just say thank you, Lord. We thank you for being Jehovah Rapha. God, you are our healer. We thank you for being Jehovah Jireh. God, you are our provider. We thank you, God, for being Jehovah Shema. God, you are there for us. God, we thank you, God, for being Jehovah God. We just thank you and we praise you on today, God. We thank you, Father God, for being our banner. We thank you for being our sure defense, God. We thank you for being the rock of ages, God. We just thank you on today, God. We thank you for being a covenant-keeping God. We thank you, Father God, for being a good shepherd, God. We just say thank you on today, God, because without you, God, we are nothing. We lift you up, God. We exalt you. We thank you for being our righteousness. We thank you for being our justification. We thank you for being our sanctification. We thank you for being our redemption on today, God. God, we're so thankful and grateful, God, for who you are. We just honor you in this place. Now, Father God, we couldn't do anything without the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are in this place. We give you rule and reign in this place, Holy Spirit. We thank you for releasing the power of God as the word of God go forth. In the name of Jesus, you are our teacher, you are our helper on today. Lead us and guide us into all truth. Make the word known unto us. Bring the word back to our remembrance. And Holy Spirit, illuminate this word. Let there be light coming from this word. That it penetrates our very beings on today. And it comes out of us like a two-edged sword. Like a fire that devours everything around us. Like a hammer today that breaks the rocks into pieces. God, we thank you and we praise you on today. And I thank you, Father, that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives on the inside of me. And for that, God, I give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Matthew, the 11th chapter. And I'm going to begin at verse 28, and we're going to hear and see what the Lord has to say. Amen. Amen. Matthew 11, verse 28, and I'll be reading to verse 30. May everyone's heart be open and receptive for the word on today. And the word of God reads, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to read that again. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, 
and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to talk about this morning, come unto me. Come unto me. And in that verse there, he's given us an invitation. He's given them an invitation to come unto him, which is Jesus Christ. When we look at sending out invitations, first of all, those invitations have to be prepared and we have to let people know the date, the time, and where. This invitation that Jesus is sending out, he's telling them, he's telling us to come unto him. It is up to us to accept that invitation or not. And some of us say we have accepted the invitation that was given through Jesus Christ. When we look in the word of God, we see that when he's saying, come unto me, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can go to the Father except through Jesus Christ. It's in, in St. John 14. So the only way we can get into the kingdom is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. You cannot come through Muhammad. You cannot come through Buddha. You cannot come through anyone else except Jesus Christ. Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. There is no salvation in any other name except the name of Jesus. And I'm going to say it again because I believe people need to hear this. You cannot come to God through psychics. You cannot come to God through rituals. You got to come to him through Jesus Christ. And the awesome thing about coming through Jesus Christ is you can come just as you are. You don't have to tune up nothing. You don't have to try to fix nothing. The invitation has already been sent and it's already been fixed. So if you're trying to fix something on your own, you will not be able to make it into the kingdom. You cannot come into the kingdom outside of Jesus Christ. When we look in the word of God, it tells us in so many places, but he's reminding me of these two places. He's saying in 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, this is when um, Paul is speaking to Timothy. He said he want all to be saved, all men to be saved. That's men, women, children. He want all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And I want you to understand that he said all. It doesn't mean he had particular people based on what you do or how you do it. He said he want all men to be saved. He want everybody to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What is the knowledge of the truth? It is Jesus Christ. It is what Jesus have done for us. That is coming to the knowledge of the truth. And when we go back to Matthew 28, um, 11, 28, in that verse it said, Come unto me all ye. So he's saying it again. He's not naming any particular people. He asked Hitler to come unto him. He's asking murderers to come unto him. He's asking sex offenders to come unto him. He's asking prostitutes to come unto him. He's asking drug addictions to come unto him. It don't matter. He said he want all to come unto him because he want all men to be saved. Saved means to be made whole, to be delivered, to be healed, to be saved from destruction, to be saved from death. Because when you come unto him, you're going to have everlasting life. And we always quote John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that whosoever believe in him, they go that whosoever again. See, this is where we miss it, church folk. We look at people based on what they've done, based on if they can come into the kingdom of God. Just like now, people are looking at homosexuals and they put them down and they act like that's the biggest sin all over the world. 
Sin is sin. It don't matter what sin it is. We call it sin. It ain't big sin. It ain't little sin. Sin is sin. So whatever you've been dabbing in is sin. If you a liar, you just like the homosexual. If you a murderer, you just like the homosexual. Let's quit leaving people out based on what they do. He said, come unto me, all ye. He said, come unto me. He sent this invitation out to everybody. Y'all know what we do. When we send out invitations, we got particular people we want to send them to. We want to send them to the ones that we think love us. We want to send them to the one that we think will buy us the most. Come on, somebody. We want to send invitations to whom we feel like we want to send invitation to. And we want to leave somebody else out. But he didn't leave none of us out. He said, come unto me, all ye. And then he said he want all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And this, the word of God said, whosoever call upon him, whosoever call upon him shall be saved. But the problem is, how can you call upon him when you haven't believed in him? How can you believe in him when you haven't heard him? How can you hear about him when nobody have preached or proclaimed him unto you? And this is the problem with the church. We inviting people to come, but we're not telling them what they're coming to. We're just asking them, are you saved? Do you want to be saved? But are you telling them what Jesus done in order for them to have eternal life? You just don't go in nobody's face there. Are you saved? You begin to give them the good news and you're going to know whether or not they have accepted Jesus Christ. He said, Come unto me he didn't say come unto you we're trying to grab people to come unto us it's not about you this is why paul said i have been crucified with christ it's no longer i who live but it's christ who lives in me and when we go out we should know that it's not about us it's all about jesus i'm here to do a work unto him not unto myself He laid down his life for me. He died for me. Even when I was yet still in my sin, he demonstrated his love for me. Why? Because he loved me. That's why John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. It didn't say you. It didn't say me. The only way we can love the world is through his love. Our love won't work. Phileo won't work. Storgy won't work. None of those loves will work. But the love of God that you have in you will love the enemy that hates you so bad, that want to kill you because you have accepted Jesus because you have come unto him. And it ain't about you. You need to get your mind off of what somebody said or what somebody did to you. You need to go back into the word and said, Jesus still loved the world. Outside of what they did or outside of what they done, it don't make no difference when they done it, when they said it. Even if they slap you in your face, if you got the love of God in you, your love don't change. Because he don't change. You don't just give because you want to give. You give out of the love of God that's in you to give. You don't choose who you're going to give to based on what they've done. When there is a need, you let them know that God is still in charge. It's not you. It's all about him. So Jesus was giving them an invitation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever 
believeth on him, on him. It's about Jesus. Shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Y'all, we take that verse literally just to be taking that verse. But when you take that verse and know how much God loved you, that will help you to love others. That will help you to love others in the way that he loved them. Outside of them. Outside of what they do or how they do it. So he said, whosoever call on the Lord, thou shalt be saved. When you begin to call on him, you calling on him because you believe on him. You believe on him because you heard about him. And you couldn't hear, not lest it was proclaimed unto you. You may have heard it on television. You may have heard it from a friend. You may have heard it in here today. You may have heard it on the radio. I'm going to tell you something. God have ways for you to come unto him. God have ways for you to hear this good news. There's not a person in this building that I believe that have not heard the good news about Jesus. But some of us have a way of not accepting the good news that Jesus is bringing unto you. And the reason why is because we enjoy what the world is doing instead of looking at or taking heed to what Jesus have already done. The world cannot give you what Jesus gave. And this is why he said, come unto me. He's calling you unto himself because he know that your um, his, your sufficiency is in him and not in you. See, some of us still have sufficiency in us. That's self-sufficiency. That's based upon what we do or how we do it. You get tired. But when you base your life upon the one that you have come unto, then you can have rest. This is why the next, you had to get the first part first. The first part say, come unto me. And I'm telling you how you come unto him. It's through hearing what he has done for you. When you become, get into a relationship with somebody, somebody had to tell you about that person. Somebody had to tell you how good that person is, tell you what that person have done. Somebody had to tell you how that person love right, how that person do right, how that person keep up with their bills. You hearing so much good about that person. So you go into relationship with that person. But you come to find out everything that they told you about that person was partly true. And this is how you find out. The closer you get to that person, the more you find out about that person. On the outside, you hear. But when you get on the inside with that person, even into a marriage, you find out just what that person is really about. Before you got in the home with them, they looked clean. Every time you would get in that vehicle, it looked clean. It smelled good. You looked at them, they were doing this and doing that, washing cars. They always had everything clean around you. But soon as you married that man, he wouldn't mow the yard, he wouldn't clean the cars. Cars nasty. He didn't want to work, don't want to do nothing but have a mouth of saying what he do. But now it's time to live by what you said. So now that you're in the house with them, you finding out who they really are. That's the same for women. Women act like they can cook. They act like they can keep house. But as soon as you put them in the house, nothing is cooked. House ain't kept, and they telling you you didn't marry your mama. But before they did all they could do to get you based on what you had. But I'm here to tell you, the one that's asking us to come unto him, he don't change. 
He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. If he told you yesterday, it's going to be the same today. He's not going to change his mind. If he told you what he's going to do for you yesterday, it's the same today, and it's the same forever. He don't change. He is the same. And this is why we don't base our lives on others. We base our lives on Jesus Christ. And if you're in a relationship with someone that know him, you're going to know that they know them, him by the life that they live. Everybody can say, Lord, Lord. And we got a lot of people saying, Lord, Lord. But I'm here to tell you they don't know him. Because when you know him, you wouldn't be casting your cares everywhere else except upon him. Because these days and times, people ain't got time to hear about your woes and woos. But God always have an ear open. Because he knew these woes and woos and woos is going to come. But what he do, he take time out to listen. And then he allows the Holy Spirit to bring you a verse of scripture that you have read. That said, weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning light. And you begin to get illuminated off of that verse, even in the midst of your sorrow. And you begin to rejoice. And again, I say you begin to rejoice because you know you heard from a covenant-keeping God. That's why he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavenly laden. When you look at labor, that means you're weary. You're exhausted. There's sorrow there. Because you're trying to do it yourself. You're trying to work it out yourself. I don't know about you, but I've been in a place where I've been weary. Where I've been sorrowful. Where I've been tired. And felt like I can't take no more. Come on, can I get a witness? Some of y'all in that place right now, you're weary. You're exhausted. But the Bible said, come unto me. All ye that labor. All ye that are weary. All ye that are exhausted. All ye that feel as if they can't make it no more. He said, come unto me. He said, not only those, but I want those to come to me that have a heavy burden. That's what that heavy laden means. That you got a burden that you can't even bear yourself. He said, come unto me and I'll give you rest. That means that you're going to find rest in him and no other. And this is the problem with us. We're trying to find rest in things. But he said, your rest, your refreshing, for your soul is in me. This is the only way you're going to find that rest, if you come unto me. And we as Christian folks, the ones that have really come unto him, are you truly at rest? And if you're not truly at rest, you have not really come unto him. You have not learned about him. This is why he go to that next verse and he said, my yoke, well, I'm I'm not going to go that way. He said, take my yoke upon you, upon you and learn of me. So what Jesus was saying, you got to take my yoke. That yoke then, it was dealing with the commands. See, back then, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were putting a burden upon the people. That burden was a heavy load. They were telling them to do things that they wouldn't even do themselves. And the load got so heavy with these commands that they couldn't bear these loads anymore. Jesus said, take my commands upon you. And he said, learn of me. When you begin to learn of Jesus, you're learning of his word. And you're finding out that his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Because he's not going to put no more on you than you can bear. 
But see, in the Bible, they were putting yokes upon these people. They were putting them in bondage, telling them to do things that they wouldn't even do themselves. This is what's happening in the house of God. People are still up under the law. And Jesus came to bring grace and truth unto the people. But church folks are still living up under the law. You got to do this to get God to do that. If it is his will, this is what God would do. See, you're putting a heavy burden upon you. Because you're trying to do something to get God to do what he's already done through his son. That's why he said, you got to come unto me. My burden, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, my commands are easy. Jesus knows that you're going to go through some things in this world. Why? Because Jesus was in this world. Jesus said, be of a good cheer because I have overcome what? The world. So he walked this life that we're walking now. Jesus went through everything that we would even imagine that we would go through. Jesus bore all our infirmities, y'all. Jesus took on everything so he know what you can bear. That's why when things come up in our lives, we got to come unto him. He's the one that will give us rest. He give the weary rest, y'all. He said, but then that other verse says, he said that you will find rest. The first verse said he will give you rest. So when you come to Jesus, you already got rest. But you got to come to him under his word, learning about him, and you're going to find that rest. You cannot find rest until you get into the word. And allow the word to get into you. If you're worried about things, and it's reminding me of Mary and Martha again. In Luke chapter 10, y'all remember Mary and Martha, both of them invited Jesus to come in. Check this out. They had to invite him to come in. So evidently the invitation already went out. So when Jesus came to the house, both of them invited him to come in. But Mary, what she did when Jesus sat down, she sat down at his feet. She was ready to hear the word of God. She didn't let concerns and she didn't let everything come up against her. She was right at his feet to know, to learn about him. And when she was at his feet, Martha was very troubled. So Martha, you know how we pray, y'all. I don't know about you, but sometimes my prayers would let them see what they're doing, master. Let them see, Jesus, what they have done. And you be running around just like Martha was. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha. He had to talk to her how many times? Say her name how many times? Twice. To get her attention. Martha, Martha. You are troubled about many things. And God is saying in this room, some of us, maybe the majority of us is troubled about many things. Not one, but many. And he said, Mary is doing was needful for Mary to be doing. But Martha was anxious about life. She wanted Mary to help her. She wanted Mary to leave Jesus' feet to help her with her concerns and her worries. But Mary was doing the best thing that she could ever do, being at his feet, taking in the word of God. So when these worries and concerns come, Mary could be at rest. That's why the first place that you need to be is at his feet. You don't need to be in in and everything. You need to be at his feet and say, yes, Lord, I'm your servant. Speak, Lord. What do you have to say unto me today? We can't be Martha's because when you are Martha's, when things sneak up on you, you are subject to those things and you're not subject to him. 
That's what it means. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavenly laden, and I will give you rest. I want y'all to know your rest is not in a husband. It's not in a wife. It's not in your children. It's not in your job. It's not in your boyfriend, your girlfriend, and surely it's not in your money. Your rest is in him because that's what the word says. Come unto me. He's the one that will give you rest when anxiety, when worry, when concern, when sickness, even death hits your house. He's the one. He said, come unto me. I'm going to give you rest through these things. You can count on me. I'm going to give you the peace that you need. That's why he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Why? He said, because I already got a plan for you tomorrow. Why are you in tomorrow? He said, you need to be in the day that you're in because I'm going to give you your daily bread for this day. He said, I can't go into tomorrow. Tomorrow hasn't come. Give us this day our daily bread. God, you know what I need on this day. So I'm coming unto you because you have what I need. You're my sufficiency. So I'm coming unto you. So that first invitation is for us to come unto him. We can't come to him or believe in him until we heard about him. And some of you have heard. You may have heard in different ways. Some people have heard about him by the law, by what you got to do to be saved. You ain't got to do nothing but accept what he done. Don't let people tell you, you got to do this. You got to come to church. You got to pay your tithes. Now I'm telling you not, I'm not telling you not to pay your tithes and I'm not telling you not to come to church. But if they're basing coming to Jesus on those things, that's law. Don't let people tell you that your good works is going to get you into heaven. I don't care how much good works you do. It is not going to get you in heaven. It's what Jesus have already done. There's none that's good. No, not one. So we got to understand, I don't care if you visit the nursing homes, you visit the prison, you pay your tithes, you come to church. If you don't have a heart change, if you haven't accepted him with your heart, all of that doesn't matter. It may look good on the outside, but the inside got to come on the outside for change to take place. God worked from inside out, not outside in. We're trying to work on the outside to get something within. God said, I don't work like that. That's why you got to hear the good news. And some of us are not proclaiming the good news. We're proclaiming what we want to proclaim to make people look to us and what we have done. You have done nothing. It's all in what he has done. Drop your titles. Drop everything that you think you have done. Your education, drop it all because I'm here to tell you, unlearned men told people about Jesus. And these people were saved. They didn't have all these degrees. No. They were just disciples. They were just learners of Jesus Christ. God want to make disciples out of you. So you can be learners, so you can be followers of Jesus Christ. So everywhere you go, you can tell them about Jesus. You may tell them in a different way that I tell them, but the word is going to be the same. Because God know how you can carry it. He know how I can carry it. He know the place that we're in, but you're supposed to be carriers of the gospel. You don't wait on no title to carry this good news. 
what you're supposed to do is go on the highways and the byways. And what you have learned, you're supposed to have a heart for those that are lost. Where is the heart for those that are lost, that are dying in this world? And we are so stuck on us. Stuck on what we don't have, what we want. We're looking at a dying world in front of us that's doomed for destruction, but we still asking, gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy. And you have everything you need in him. In him you live, in him you move. And in him you have your being. You forgetting who you have. And when you learn about who you have and who you belong to. You won't let these cares of this world overwhelm you. You will be giving him glory for what he's already done. See, our problem as Christians, we think we won't go through nothing. As long as you're in this world, trouble's gonna come. You're gonna have trials. You're gonna have tribulations. That's why he said, be of a good cheer. Because Jesus went through those trials. He went through persecution. This is how I know. Some people ain't in their word. Because when people put you down, you act like you can't rise up. If you're in the word of God, you, you should know you're going to be persecuted for the word's sake. You're going to be hated for the word. Your family even going to hate you for the word's sake. Because when you speak in life, People that's in the death zone don't want to die. They don't want that life. So they're going to make you look like you too holy than thou. They're going to look at you like the ugly duckling. Here come the ugly duckling. He or she act like they know everything. They always make you feel like that they know Jesus more than you. And you ain't even open your mouth. It's just the glory of the Lord that's upon you. It's just a light that's shining upon you. And as soon as they look in your face, they see the light of God. And it brings conviction unto their heart. And they just don't want to turn. They want to burn. This is truth. So why are you getting upset because you don't have no friends? Why are you getting upset because your mother and your father left you? The word of God tells me, even when my mother and father leave me and forsake me, he will pick me up. I have a father who can. So it don't matter how people perceive you. Quit trying to be people pleasers. This is why Paul said, I'm not out. If I please man, I'm not going to please God. So if you're trying to please man, you ain't coming unto him. You coming unto man and you bowing down to man because you want something from man and you got everything. You, I know I'm preaching right. This is the problem with the church. It's too many people that want to become something but don't want to die to the things that's in their lives. Sin has been dealt with. When you came unto Jesus, sin wasn't the problem. You coming unto Jesus because Jesus done away with sin and you know what he have done. Some of us say, you know, I can't get saved until I deal with this sin. Well, only thing I can tell you is hell is hot. Because Jesus already dealt with hell, the death and the grave. He already dealt with all of that. He has the keys. And the only way you can miss that is through Jesus Christ. 
I don't care what people are telling you. People will tell you, you know, pray to him. You all right, keep sleeping with that man. No, 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 no. Keep sleeping with that woman. You already married. That's how they did in the Old Testament. No, 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 they didn't. What they did, people saw them as being together, but they hadn't yet come together to seal it as one. Y'all better read your word. Y'all don't remember Jacob? When he wanted Rachel, and when he woke up, he had Leah. That man waited seven years. He must have closed his eyes and didn't know who was in the bed with him. But when he woke up, he had the wrong one. And Leah was rejected. See, he couldn't even have Rachel until that time. So how do we come out of Scripture and say, that's your husband, that's your wife? What did God say about that? Oh, the world is so tore up and don't even see it. We define love by what a person can give us. That's not love. Love do give. But you're going to know love even when a person can't give you nothing. But that person is giving you the love of God. It means more than a car. It means more than a house. More than clothes. More than anything. Because you feel the love of God. And that love comforts you more than any material thing that anybody can give you. I learned that a long time ago. Money cannot buy you love a person cannot give you the love the way God can so I'm going to ask you today how are you coming unto people and you expecting those people to love you and they can't even love themselves because they don't even know his love yet oh baby you don't love me right baby don't even know how to love itself right baby you don't hold me right baby don't know how to hold you because he ain't felt the love of God the way he need to feel the love of God so everything that they do is not going to be right for you because when you come in connection with him and you come unto him people are going to feel the love from you that they never felt from somebody else God's love it consoles you it wraps you up in him and when it consoles you nobody else can console you the way his love can God can just say, I love you, and that's enough. Because you know he really loved you. Because you've been into the word and you experienced his love through the word of God. Through what he done outside of you. Through how you messed up. And he said, baby, I done forgave you for your past, your present, and your future sins. That's how much I love you. I demonstrated my love for you, baby. Even while you were yet a sinner, I laid down my life for you. Now that's the love of God. And even when you sin and sin and sin, I'm not going to change. Because my love is unconditional. So women, if you basing your love, basing love upon what your husband do or how he treats you or whatever, you might as well leave that alone. Because if that man cannot love you the way Christ loved the church, he don't know how Christ loved the church and he's saved. That's because he ain't in his word. Love don't change. Love remained the same outside of what you say, outside of what you do, and when you've done it. Love is still the same. And I'm going to have to put this in here. In relationships, we're still talking about coming unto him. We have marriages that's crumbling because of people dipping and tripping with other women and other men. Still dipping and tripping. You may not be dipping and tripping where you're laying in a physical bed, but you're dipping and tripping outside of your bed. 
You already having fantasies about another woman or another man outside of your marriage. You done laid with that person. And see, when you learn of Christ, and Christ is in you, the hope of glory, Christ ain't no cheater. Christ don't cheat. And when you say you love him, you don't cheat on him because you cheating on him first. See, the love of God don't cheat. It don't mistreat either. The love of God, get it right. The love of God, what, what happens in these marriages, the reason why marriages are crumbling is because Christ ain't first. Because we don't put him first and foremost in our marriages. When we put him first and foremost in our marriages, we supply the need even before the need is needed. We do even before we ask for it to be done. I don't cook for my husband because it's a routine. I do it because of the love of God that's in me. Even in my weariness, even in my tiredness, I know my part and what I'm supposed to do. And I don't do it to receive nothing of him, not even a thank you, because that's who I am in him. But it is nice to say thank you. But if he never say thank you, I'm going to say amen. Why? Because amen means it is so. I didn't marry you for your money. I didn't marry you for you to love me. Yes, it did. I want you to love me with Christ's love. But I'm telling y'all, if y'all married and married for the wrong reason, it ain't going to work outside of Christ. Because after the wedding is over, the honeymoon is over, come on, reality is going to step in. So it's time for us to come to him in a way that no matter what happens in our lives, he's already there to help us to fix it. Even when you want to step out in a marriage, you won't step out if you're learning of him because the Holy Ghost will step in and you will have conviction. And I'm telling you, this conviction is of righteousness. He will let you know you got to love her just like Christ loved the church. God got rid of adultery. He will bring all this to you and then you will flee from what you're doing. Quit making an excuse and saying, that woman didn't love me right. This woman over here loved me better. Come on, somebody. That's the world. That's not the kingdom. Maybe that woman couldn't love you because she was depressed by you. Maybe that woman couldn't cook for you because she got some things that's going on in her life that just ain't right. Have you taken the time to pray for that wife? Have you taken the time to pray for that husband and get to the root of why they're acting like they're acting? Because it's for better or for worse. Oh, God is bringing us in here for a reason. God is helping somebody up in here today. Don't take your anger out on your husband or your wife. Seek the Lord while he can be found. Come unto him so he can give you rest through what you're going through. So your wife won't get it. Your husband won't get it. But you can take the time and say, what spirit is this? That's causing me to snap at my husband, to snap at my wife, to snap at my children. What is this? Because it's not God. But we don't take time out for that. What we do is we mumber, we complain, and we put it on the other person. If you had done this, it wouldn't be this way in this house. If you had said this, this wouldn't be like it is. We put blame on the other person. It goes back to the Garden of Eden. Everybody was putting blame. But did y'all know the serpent didn't say nothing because the serpent got what the serpent wanted? Adam and Eve was coming against one another. A divided house shall not stand. And the 
enemy want the house divided. Why? Because he can come in that house and tear it up. We got houses with Christian folks in them. Toe up. Toe up. Come to church, sing, rejoice, go home and act like you don't know each other. Baby, can you get me some water? Who I look like? Get your own daggone water. I just asked for some water, baby, and I just told you what to do, too. That's what I'm talking about. You call yourself a Christian. I'm still one. You just like your daddy. Yep. Stern. Say it with authority. Then when you start complaining, they say, well, that's who you married. That's your house. It's mine. That's what you chose. Instead of telling them, love her like Christ loved the church. That's not her. That's the spirit in her using her to come against you. Pray for her. When she's weak, you be the strong one. He said, let the weak say they're strong. Let the sick say they're weak. Y'all, we're doing things outside of this word. That's why it's not working in our homes. We're trying to fix it. I'm still talking about come unto me. I'm talking to the Christians, the ones that have accepted the invitation, the ones that have cried out to him and supposedly said, I can't do it no more myself. Go with me to Luke, the 14th chapter. I want to share something with you dealing with come unto me. We miss a lot of things because we choose to miss them. Amen. And Luke 14, I want you to look at verse 16. It says, then said he unto them, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. That means he called many. This is God. He made a great supper and he called many. Verse 17, and he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidding, come, for all things are now ready. What this verse is talking about is an invitation had already went out. He said, now I have prepared my supper and I'm inviting y'all to come and dine with me. So he sent his servant to the ones that he had called. Y'all know in the word of God, it said many are called, but few are chosen. They ain't got nothing to do with titles. That's got something to do with salvation. So see, you got to line this word up with what you're saying. That's why he said many are called, but few are chosen. When you get into here, he called the ones, um, gave them an invitation he called them to come and sit down with them because he had already given them the invitation. He said, now it is ready. What that means is Jesus already paid the price. Now you can come dine with me. Ooh. See, when you go into the word and you know what the word is saying, that's when your revelation comes. That's when enlightenment comes. It's so many people taking this word, just taking what's written with no revelation, and they're giving it to people and say, many are called. But few were chosen. This is dealing with a call to salvation. We all have said it. Don't let pride rise up in you. Go back and search the scriptures and see. I said it myself because I heard somebody else say it. But when I go into the word of God and I really ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying? He said, I'm inviting them to come unto me. And many were called, but few were chosen because they didn't take the call. Know what the word of God is saying before you say anything. 
Go back and check it out for yourself because some of you are still in doubt because you're stubborn. Because that's what you said so long. It becomes so much a part of you. Go check it out. Check it out. And, and of course, there are many called into ministry. Yes, it is. But few are chosen. People use that to offset that scripture, but you got to understand what that scripture is saying. So when we look here, he bid them to come because the invitation already went out. They had accepted to come and dine with him. But guess what the word of God said? He said, things are now ready. Jesus had already died. Jesus had already resurrected. So he said, it's ready now. Now you can come and dine with me. Now this is the part I want to get to. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. Woo! Church making excuse. This was the first excuse. The first one said, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must, y'all hear that? I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Oh, I'm going somewhere. We can stay here until the next day. These people had already accepted invitation. I'm going to talk to you Christians. You have already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But when he's inviting you to come and sup with him, when he's inviting you to come and sit with him, to wine and dine with him, who through the word of God, we come up with many excuses. Or when you're needed in the house of God to do something, we come up with many excuses. This first excuse was, I done bought a piece of land. This is dealing with business. This is dealing with people that are in business. This is dealing with people that, you know, have affairs that's, that's working or whatever. They say, I done bought a piece of land. Have the excuse. I can't come to church. I'm too busy. I'm working today. I can't come set up this. I can't come set up that. I got this right here going on. I'm talking about Christians. The one that have come unto him, but now he's asking you to come and dine with him or for help through you. And you said, I got other things to do. Please excuse me. Have y'all ever heard that before? It's so quiet. It's so quiet. So it's dealing with business. So this, this is what I see, y'all. What does it profit you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? I hear excuses in my ears while I'm up to this pulpit. See, we shouldn't have excuses when it comes to God, because guess what? When we're before him and we come unto him on every day and we're learning about him, we got some time slots that we can do what he wants us to do or we can help someone that needs to be helped. But some of us are so much after money that we can't put God before the money. We can't put God before business. He said, I just bought some land. I got to go see about this land. He bought an excuse. The next man, this was the cares. Y'all dealing with the cares of the world. Now listen at the next man. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. And I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excuse. These are purchases. Purchases, houses, cars, things that you want, material things. This is why the Bible says, be not conformed to this world. 
but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know or be able to prove what the good and acceptable will of God is. So when we look at material things more than we look at him, we're leaving him out. I just got a new house. I just got a new car. I done made plans. So all of this is dealing with what you bought and you putting what you bought before God. I ain't got time to come do this. I ain't got time to sit with God. I got to clean my house. I got to do this. I got to check out this phone. I got to check out this laptop. I got to check out these things before I be with God today. So we're looking at business. We're looking at purchases. We're looking at material things. Oh, let me go to another one. This one says, and another one said, I have married a wife. And therefore, I cannot come. They were still on honeymoon. The Bible says when you put family before you put me, that shows who you love. He said, you got to forsake all and take up your cross and follow me. You don't put nobody before you put him. You don't let nobody take you out of your place with him because they're having some situations. If you are in your place with him, you're going to know how to handle that situation and not appease that situation so they can be friends with you. So we got all of these situations, work. We got purchases, material things, and then we got family. He just wrapped it up. All of them made excuses. These are the ones that were saved. These were the ones that accepted the invitation saying, the the table's now ready. You have heard the good news. I want you to come and sit down and dine with me. I don't have time. I got to go out and make some money. I'm a painter. I'm a contractor. I mow lawns. So the first thing I do when I get up is go. I'm an accountant. I help people. You can't help nobody outside of God. And I'll give you an example. Through this process of the church, this building getting back like it need to be. Y'all, it was a process. But through the process, I had to take the time, me and my husband, we had to hear God. We had to know what's up and what ain't up. God will show you what's up. He'll show you in between the fine print that it may look right, but it ain't right. And if you ain't spending time with God, you'll settle for any old thing. But I'm here to tell you, I only settle for what God wants me to settle for. And anything that ain't right, that looks shady, it's going to show up. It's going to illuminate. God will show you what something is off. And this is what God do. He will help you with whatever is off, y'all. And something was off dealing with this stuff. Something just didn't look right. And the Lord uh, showed it to me. And when I went to the person, I said, something ain't right. I see one figure, but something is not right in that figure. I need for you to break down these figures because something is off. And I don't like the offness that I see. And then the person, when I was talking to them, good, good person, they said, well, I wonder why she's asking me that? She had already accepted the price. That's what they told me. We're talking. And I said, I asked you because the Holy Ghost showed me something. When they went to digging into all those figures, they were almost $10,000 too high. They had to bring it down. What am I saying to you? When I come unto him, God will show me all of you. 
I don't care what you do or how you do it or how you're trying to get over. God is going to illuminate you and let me know something ain't right. Why? Because I come unto him not to pick you out. I come unto him to learn of him so he can show me yet what I don't see. You don't accept anything. This is a work of the Lord. It ain't me. It's a work unto him. So everything we do is supposed to be unto him. It ain't got nothing to do with us. It's what you want, Father. How do you want it to be, Father? It ain't about me today. This is what I want to do. But what do you want to do? Through this building process, I'm like a stop sign. Nope. Ain't going to happen. You know why? Because I'm hearing. You got to hear the spirit when the spirit is talking. That's why I'm coming in here today to let you know that we Christians, the ones that have accepted the invitation, the ones that said I do, the ones that confess with their mouth and said they believe in their heart, have you really come unto him? Because when you come unto him, you shouldn't be making excuse after excuse after excuse when God is asking you something. Then the ones that he asked and they was making excuses, this is what he told the servant next. He says, so the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said unto the servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring hither the poor, the mean, the halt, and blind. He was, he was hurt. He was angry. Y'all, there's a spiritual anger in the body of Christ, and I use it well. There is. You know why he was angry? I'll tell you why he was angry. Go back to the other verses. He said, come dine with me. The table is set. Everything has been prepared. He was angry because his son just laid down his life. He died for the sins of the whole world. He paid the price that you nor me could pay. And he's only asking you, come. He said, I done done the part that you couldn't do. He said, the only thing I want you to do is come. You accepted the invitation, but now you can't come. My son done shed his blood for you. That's the love that I have for you. He was angry. He said, okay, they don't want to come, so I'm going to send my evangelists. I'm going to send the ones that can evangelize. Go out on the highways and byways. Get the ones that's poor. Get the ones that's blind. Get the ones that's mean. Invite them into my house. See, the first people he was really talking to was Jews. They were in covenant. But guess what? I'm still talking to you. Don't even try to put it off. See, the enemy trying to put a lie in your head say, I'm doing with the Jews. They ain't got nothing to do with us. Got a lot to do with you because it's written for you. Quit making excuses. So he went out to get them. Guess what happened? After he went out to get the poor, the lame, and blind, y'all, this is sad. The Bible says house still wasn't full. Some of the poor, the lame, and blind still wouldn't come. They were poor. They were blind. They were lame. They still wouldn't come and sit with the father. So the poor still think they don't need no help. And I'm going to have to say this. You got some people don't even have a house to stay in. Got some people blind, lame, sick. But they still ain't crying out to Jesus. They 
feel like they're okay. Come on, the Bible's speaking, y'all. You got people that's living in a way that they shouldn't be living, but they still think that they're serving Jesus and they're okay. House still wasn't full. So then he told him, he said, and the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Y'all, I want to tell you something. God ain't gave up on us. So why we make excuses when it come to God? He said, I want my house filled. Compel me not to take them by force. He said, I want those gifts that are in you to show themselves forth that they have to realize that they need me more than they need what they have. That's why you have the gifts of the Spirit. That's why you have the fruit of the Spirit. Because you can't do it by yourself. When you're going out on the highways and byways, you got to let the blind know. I know a man that you can see today. You got to let the ones know that can't walk. I know a man that can raise you up today. You got to let the poor know you don't have to be poor all your life. I know a man that has already prospered you. So we supposed to be giving them this good news. Look at this, y'all. He went to the ones that accepted him. The problem was we have professors and not confessors. One that profess is one that just speak forth. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. This is in the church. You'll tell somebody with your lips what you're going to do, but your heart is far from it because it don't get done. Somebody's heart that's in part of God's heart, you don't have to keep telling them what needs to be done. They're calling you or they're getting it done. You don't have to keep, you know, come on, come on, we can do it, we can do it, leave them alone. Don't ask no more. Leave it alone. Don't ask no more. Because God is going to give us the strength to do what needs to be done. Let me tell you something. In the house of God, when you serve in a mighty God, and you know what God done for you, all of us, every joint supply, shouldn't have to be asking when you know the need. Nobody shouldn't have to call you. When you know the need, it shouldn't be no asking. Because we all one in the body of Christ. But when it comes to somebody else's house, people get mad because you didn't give me no call. It was my birthday. You didn't even tell me happy birthday, kiss my behind, nothing. Didn't even acknowledge me before the church that it was my birthday. Christ's birthday is every day. And we make excuses for him every day. Don't say thank you, Jesus. Don't say hallelujah. Don't do nothing. But when it comes to us, we want somebody to put us on a, hey, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. I'm giving y'all some accolades. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. We make excuses. But he's saying today, come unto me for real. Get to know me for yourself. Learn of me. He said, learn of me. And he said, you shall find rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
We have repetitive sins. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And I'm going to explain that. You repeating the same thing is just a different day. You're happy on Monday. Then you repeat that same pattern on Friday. Because somebody say they love you so you can be happy in between until Friday. Now you're going back to the hate. Because that's what's in you. And it's time to get it out of you. Stubbornness, rejection, offense. You cannot read one Bible verse and say you love me. No, that verse got to get in you and root up something that's there deep within you for you to really say you love me with the love of God. Because I may come up to you and say, why did you do that? Now you hate me again because I asked you why. Repetitive saints. You're repeating the same thing because you ain't dealt with what's there. Quit telling people you love them until they bring rebuke and correction. When they bring rebuke and correction, you all up in their face. Because that's who you are. If you're going to be for Christ, be for Christ. Humble yourself. And that's what Luke 14 was talking about in the beginning. When you go back to the first part of that chapter, it talks about, don't, when you invited to a banquet, he was explaining the whole thing. These Pharisees was inviting people to a banquet, and they had special seats where they sat at, and then the least would go to the far back. But Jesus was telling them, he said, don't go up into no house and try to go up into those high seats and look distinguished because the guest of honor is going to come to you and tell you, let them sit there. He said, then you're going to be humiliated. He said, when you go in the house, go on, take the lowest seat. Allow the guest to come get you and say, come up front. See, that's why he said, those that exalt themselves will be obeyed. You're going to be put low. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. It don't matter where I sit, long as I have a seat. That's humility. That's why he said, you got to come before me. Just like a little child. In a humbling state. And that's when he began to exalt you. Some of us are not exalted in the high positions. It's because we are rude. We are prideful. Don't know how to talk to people now and you think God is going to keep putting you in high positions when you're still running off at the mouth and don't know how to shut up. No, he's not going to do that. Why? Because you're going to mess up somebody else. This is why you got to know how to humble yourself. When you write, be wrong. Humble yourself. We always back and forth, back and forth. But when we come unto him, we can be quiet. And in frustration, Lord knows I get frustrated, y'all, don't I, honey? See? I do. But because I come unto my Savior, he know what I do. And it don't take me a week. It don't take me a day. I come right back. That was wrong. Y'all, something wrong with the body of Christ. Because if you coming unto him, your attitude should have changed. If you coming unto him, you will be in place in the house of God without anybody telling you to be in place. When you coming unto him, you see others. You put others above yourself. When you coming unto him, it ain't about you no more. It's all about what he want to do through you. 
When you coming unto him, you ain't looking at you, you looking to him, who's the author and finisher of your faith. When you coming unto him, you get as low as you can go. And you ain't worrying about what people say or how they say it because you know that he loves you so much and you want people to see the love of God coming through you just like you experienced his love. We need to get selfishness out of the body of Christ. We need to get, God has no respectable person. We need to quit looking at others, esteeming others more than we esteeming who? Christ. We need to get this out of the body of Christ, y'all. I'm just so spiritually angry because I'm seeing churches being tore up by letting anything and everything in the house of God just to fill up seats. I want people to come unto him because they know what he's done for them. It's not me, it is him. They need to see him. If they're seeing me more than they see him, something is wrong. That's me trying to do it and not letting him do it through me. It is not about us. It's all about him. And he is love. God is love. And God loves in spite of your wrongs. So whatever you're going through today, no matter what it is, if you curse somebody out, if you got drunk last night, if you were, you know, laying up with some man's wife, whatever you were doing, I'm going to say whatever you were doing, or whatever you're thinking about doing. God loves you. And he loves you so much that he wants you to know I died for all that. I got to say this. Y'all know I, God had me on this, and I know there's a reason. Adultery and fornication, he had me on this so much, and there's a reason for this. This is what the Holy Spirit is telling me. Jesus said he done away with adultery. Isn't that what the word said? He done away with adultery, he done away with fornication. Jesus took on adultery. He done laid with everybody that need to be laid with. That's sin. Ain't that sin? He took on every sin and every sickness upon himself. So he's saying male and female in this room. If I took on adultery, that means you don't have to take it on. If I took on fornication, now fornication and adultery is different. Fornication is dealing with your little single life, your little single self. Don't have a man or woman in your life, you single. Married women and married men, quit leaving a single life married. Acting like you don't have a wife and acting like you don't have a husband. No, that's who you are joined to. That's who you are with. So quit trying to be lookers. Just look at what you got and say, thank you. Thank you. Every day, when your eyes want to wander, say, come here, baby. Thank you. Hallelujah. Woo, glory. Serious, y'all think I'm playing. Donnie, look at Greg. He waiting on it. Sister Lisa, look at Willie. He waiting on it. Tyson, look at Jennifer. She waiting on it. I ain't hear no thank you. I saw something else. Mitch, don't rub the eyes. Look at him and say thank you. Jennifer, look at him and say thank you. Jay, look at Siobhan and say thank you. Come on, Siobhan, look at him and say thank you. Now I'm going to say this, Kelvin.
loving, you ain't left out. Look at your wife and say, thank you. Now look at him and say, thank you. Now I'm going to say this. Oh, Jamie, look at your wife and say, thank you. Jamie, look at, um, Kim, look at your husband and say, thank you. Now, I want you to say it like you mean it. Y'all better put a little dance in that thing. And some of y'all that don't have husbands and wives here, you need to be getting up. You need to be giving God glory and say, God, I thank you. And when you do that more, you won't be looking at another man or another woman because you'll be grateful for what you have. And if you ain't grateful for what you have, that's why you sneaking. Let me give you a nugget. The more you sneak, the more you're going to want to have it, and the more you're going to turn away from what you have. It ain't going to be good enough no more. That's why before you dip and trip, you need to get into the word and know what the word say about your dipping and tripping. And the word will change you. And if you got married out of spite, You ain't going to be satisfied until you get satisfied in Jesus. I don't care if they whine, you dine, you flip, you trip, you dip, you whatever they do. <laughs> ain't going to matter. Because you got married out of spite. They ain't who you want in any way. You just got married. And until you find him, which is Jesus, I'm talking about coming under him. You ain't going to have what you want. No man, no woman, nobody will be able to satisfy you until you truly come unto him and love him first and foremost. When you love him, you love him because you know he loves you. And you don't want to let him go. Amen? Thea, when I find you, you got that on that mat? So I'm saying today, I pray that this message have touched each individual heart in here and it'll tell you where you are with him. Don't worry about your husband. Don't worry about your wife, your children. Just know where you are. And if you know where you are with him, your heart is going to go out for others that don't have him. And if your heart ain't going out for others that don't have him, something is wrong. Because every day you're supposed to be crying out. My prayer is, Father, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Send your labors amongst the harvest father you said those who win souls are wise so i thank you that we have soul winners out there today and i bind the hands of the enemy where he will blind the minds of the unbelievers today keeping them from believing this glorious gospel see that's my prayer every day because i want all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth i want disciples of men I want Pender County, I want everywhere to be filled with disciples, and everywhere people go, they run into a disciple. And somebody is telling them about the love of God and how God loved them in their mess. And they're looking at that person and say, you don't look like no prostitute, you don't look like no drug addict. That's because he changed me from inside out. The only thing I had to do was come. And I'm going to leave one more verse of scripture with you. Y'all remember Peter, when Jesus, he went to pray, and he came back, he was walking on the water. 
And as he was walking on the water, they cried out because they thought they'd seen a ghost. Now, they couldn't even recognize Jesus. But Peter said, Lord, Jesus, if it is you, bid me to come. Peter was the only one in that boat that said, bid me. He wasn't worried about the rest of them. He said, bid me to come, Lord. Jesus said, come. He gave him the invitation. Peter stepped out of his situation because there was a situation going on in that boat. Y'all, there was still a storm, the wind. But Peter, he trusted him and he stepped out of his situation. And the more he focused on the one that said, come, Peter was walking on water. So God said, every situation in your life, if you focus on him because you're coming to him and not going to that situation, you ain't going to fall. But soon as Peter looked around and took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. But then he said, Lord, Lord, save me. He was crying out, save me, Lord. I need you. I can't do this. I can't come out of this situation. Save me, Lord. Save me. Rescue me from this danger. Jesus picked him up. That's what coming unto Jesus to do. If you take your eyes off of Jesus, guess what? You can still call on him. You can still call on him and he'll pick you up. Because he's still inviting you to come. Y'all don't get it, do you? Even in the midst of your situation, he said, I'm still inviting you to come unto me. Even in the midst of your mess that you've done, he said, I'm still inviting you to come unto me. Who told you that you can't still come unto me? He said, just have a change of mind through the messages that you're hearing. He said, that's what repent means. He said, have a change of mind, a change of heart. Turn from sin and turn from me. And you can't do that. Until you hear. So today, church, for real, he's saying, come. No matter what your situation is, no matter what you're going through, come on, this altar is open. I don't even have to say anything. Because when you come, the power of God is going to meet you. Because he's given you the invitation to come. The altar is open.